Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchuk. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about our ongoing thesis. That is digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. One of the greatest things that we can do as a business, we've turned our barbecue business into a media business and we want to teach you, the listener, how to do that. And the best way to do that is to not disrespect the thing that's in your pocket, the thing that you're probably listening to this podcast on, you're probably watching on YouTube, it's that smartphone. It doesn't have to be an iPhone, doesn't have to be an Android. All you have to do is learn how to tell stories on that smartphone. We talk about smartphone storytelling, and we talk about people that are playing the game within the game. So people that are developing apps on that smartphone, people that are creating content, people that are winning on TikTok, people that are winning on Instagram, um, but more importantly, people that we admire, that we wanna learn from. Today, we have all the way from New York City, New York Steve Raggiani, the right. co-founder of the Aidit app. Steve and I got hooked up because of another podcast, Eric Cacciatore of Restaurant Unstoppable. I've been on his show, he's been on my show. What we like to teach is a rising tide lifts all ships. So if you're in the digital space, if you're telling stories on the digital space, you can start to create incredible connections with people that are doing really cool shit. Steve is doing some really cool shit, and we are going to talk about the app that he's developing. We're gonna talk about Web 1.0, Web 2.0, Web 3.0, and NFTs. It's gonna be an awesome episode. Steve, what's up, man? Thank you for having me, bro. Dude, we are here, so one of the coolest things, we have you know, this ecosystem of restaurant owners, people in hospitality, people in media, people that are doing cool shit. Victor Lopez, one of my closest friends, owns El Pollo Grill in Eastlake. So my family and I, we just moved to Eastlake. He said, yes, you can record the podcast. No big deal. Come out, enjoy it. So we're going to film some content afterwards. But more importantly, we're going to talk about this app. I'm, excited. I'm excited to eat this chicken. Though. Come on, let's yeah. let, let's let. <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot. Two minute drill. Tell me what's ate it. All right. What is ate it? Ate it is the simplest way to find the best food. Um, it's trusted food recommendations from people in the industry who know what the hell they're talking about. Okay. So the story really behind it is um, I got to New York City completely overwhelmed by all the amount of options to eat in that city. There's so many amazing restaurants, you don't even know where to start. And this was like 2016. I go on Google, I'm in the mood for a burger. I search best burger in New York. I get an eater, eater article, infatuation, New York Times, a Guy Fieri video. I'm, I'm getting lost in the content. There's yeah. so much content out there, amazing food recommendations that you, you, can, you can spend up to 30 to 45 minutes doing research sure. to figure out what you wanna eat. So I did that and um, finally figured out where I was gonna go after like cross-referencing against Google, then checking out the Yelp reviews, which sometimes you can get lost in the negativity and mm -hmm. the one-star reviews and you're wondering, oh my God, is this place actually good or not? You start second-guessing your decision. So made the decision, but was frustrated with the process. Talked to a lot of my friends, realized that the majority of people are complacent with that process. Yep. They just, they're just like, I think um, someone said the other day, like innovation has kind of come to a slow because people are just kind of like become complacent with what's available. Well, it's information overload. You know, it's like there's so many different places that you can go. And we've had so many different guests, incredible guests that are developing technology to help restaurant owners simplify the process of how do you tell your story of what you sell, how do you do it, but how do people find you more importantly? Exactly, and simplification is really the thing that we, one of our, our core values is like, how do you boil something down to the simplest way? And that's why we say we're the simplest way to find the best food. Um, so yeah, I downloaded every food app that was out there and I felt like people comp overcomplicated it. There was too much 
that you could do in the apps. Things were buried. Everything was at a restaurant level, not a, not a dish level. And that was kind of when the light bulb moment went off for us where we were kind of like, we pride ourselves on solving problems. I worked in advertising and marketing my whole career. Um, we solve the biggest brands in the world's problems. And we said, let's solve a problem for ourselves. And we gave ourselves a challenge. How do you go from hungry to eating something certified delicious in three thumb taps? Because all the other apps required you to hit you know, 19 buttons before you could even figure out what you were gonna yep. eat. And that's how the app is designed. When you open it up, it says, what do you want? It talks to you like I would talk to you if we weren't even, we didn't even have cameras on. Yep. Sean, what do you want? And you wouldn't say American food. I want a carne asada burrito. Yeah, you want a burrito. So you click burrito search and it pulls up every top recommended burrito from trusted media sources and chefs. Mm -hmm. So you've got Eater, Infatuation, New York Times, maybe um, you know Chef Troy Johnson from San Diego. Yep. like. Stuff like that, and it's distilled down into eight word reviews. So we pull the most um, important eight words about that dish. If you wanna go deeper and read the whole article, we can link you to it. If you wanna order it on Uber Eats, you can, we'll link you to it. If you wanna send that dish to your friend in New York, yep. and they're on Gold Belly, it clicks you to Gold Belly. So we're just aggregating all the services that are out there because there's too much content, yep. and there's too many services, and Aidit basically sits at the middle of food tech and food media and makes the process simpler for the eater to find the best food and for the restaurant or the pop-up owner to get discovered. Because right now, Instagram is really the primary way people are kind of putting their putting their marketing out there. Yep. And there's too much content on Instagram. You've got memes, you've got sports highlights, you've got anything that you're into and it's like all jumbled up into one crazy algorithm and we're kind of, we're moving into a curation era. I think I it was it. like it was it was user, all about user generated content before and now it's about curation and simplifying things for people. I think curation is something that we are very fascinated with and simplification is something that we're obsessed with because the complexities of the internet are continuing to grow the discovery process. That's why there's so much opportunity. That's why we do this podcast is to teach other business owners, other entrepreneurs how important it is to tell your story because People look at YouTube, they look at TikTok, they look at Instagram, they go, well, there's already too much out there. No one's gonna care about my story. Well, that's not true. You have to tell your story, but then you also need technology to help you as a customer find the best. Mm -hmm. Like we all want the, no one wants to go and eat shitty food. Like never, never do I tell my wife, let's go and have a shitty experience. Let's go somewhere that my kids are gonna hate the food. But there's nothing worse than like when you walk into a random restaurant, like you're you get yes. angry, yes. and you're like, ah, fuck it, let's just go to this place. Can I say that on here? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, you're good. Digital <laughs> hospital. Oh, see. Oh, now we're talking. This is how El Pollo Grill rolls. Thank you, Erica. Oh, look at that. Victor Lopez, no joke, literally the best Mexican mm. food in all of San Diego. Three different locations. Um, Dude, they absolutely crush it. They are phenomenal. So what I was saying, when you when you when you're hangry and you randomly walk into a restaurant and you have a shitty meal yeah. and you you waste the full is what we call it. It's like your your stomach is such a sacred place. You want to yes. eat delicious stuff and you eat something that just for the sake of eating it and it's not delicious. It's the worst feeling. So we're we're fighting against wasted fulls. So for people that are listening that are like, I have a great idea, I want to build an app, sounds super easy, right? Just, it's you know, just have not. an idea and then you it's execute. You get not. it in the app store, no big deal. Nah, it's on it's, iPhone, it's, it's on Android, it's, Google store, no big deal. It's a easy. beast of a process. It took us a year to just My have, God, just put like, put this. <laughs> this was a terrible, terrible we're, we're, producer we're, we're decision to have the food come right in front of me. Oh my God. 
Um, next time I'm gonna re I'm gonna rethink these kinds of things. For anybody that's watching, there's an absolutely incredible plate of carne asada chips with uh, guacamole, sour cream, cheese, cotija cheese, which tons is the bomb. Co tons of cotija. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. We're gonna have to take a big bite. Soon. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, yeah, it so, took us it took us a year to get wireframes designed, uh, wireframes designed, and the content of the app in there because. Mm -hmm. The way it started was a giant Excel sheet, and every tab at the bottom was every food type. So we had burgers, uh, pancakes, waffles, wings, ramen, and we literally manually read every article that came up on Google. Wow. And dissected the dish and the eight words, the dish and the eight words, and then found the perfect photo of that dish. That's how it started. We're moving into a more um, AI-driven approach where we're able to scrape some of these places and and make it 80% uh, manual, 20% mm -hmm. or 80% automatic, 20% manual process. But um, that's how it started. It was like a grind. Like I was up to like four in the morning every night, like just reading every food article. So where are you now as a company? What what stage of development? So we are. We, it's been three years since we dropped the beta. Um, obviously, COVID was a giant kind of like mountain in front of us that happened with the restaurant industry completely shutting down. But we used that time in a smart way to build the Android version of the app so we could access more people. So why the Android version? I, you and I had a great conversation when you first came out. Eric, you know, I like I said, that. from Restaurant Unstoppable, sent you out, said you gotta come out to Cali, meet Sean. You came out and you told me a statistic about the iPhone versus the Android that I hadn't heard about before. Yeah, there's. A, it's funny because we were a little bit naive when we started. We were like, oh, we want to be on iPhone only so we can reach a more premium audience. And it, was, it, it wasn't It was really backed by data. It was more yes. like a gut decision. Gut feeling, sure. And um, one of my friends and colleagues pulled me aside after about a, it, the app was live for about a year. Um, and he was like, dude, why is this not on Android? Like, there's actually like 80% more people on Android than iPhone, you just don't realize it. 80%. And he was kind of like, let me, let, me, let me invest and I'll help you, I'll help guide you guys and advise you guys on building the Android version. So we brought him on as an investor and he helped us expand into, into Android and we actually built the app in React Native so it could speak to both platforms. But that's just like kind of, um, you know, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes you fuck up and you learn from your mistakes and hopefully, you know, I can help someone else, sure. you know, when they start their app to, to build it the right way. But, you know, I, I don't take it back. Like, I think building it on iOS was the smart decision at the time and it was a very clean app the way we built it. And then we were able to rebuild it in a way that kind of replicated what it originally was. I mean, one of the things that I loved right when I downloaded the app, right when I met you, is how important design is. So I'm holding up, if you're watching on YouTube, some of these designs that they've made for New York. So pretty much a play off of brands that you know, but played on with food. And this is the whole app experience and the Aided app. We'll put links in the show notes so you guys can download it, play with it, um, take a look at what they're building. Why is design so important? I mean, design's the first thing people notice. And if it's not clean and it's not simple, you're gonna turn people away. And I think that's one of the things where when you open the app, you see how clean it is. It's type driven, grabs your attention. It doesn't look like any app you've ever used. So if, if, you're not, if you're not designing in a clean way and thinking about the user experience in a way that's like, when we made it, we were like, I want a 14 year old to pick this thing up and use it like they've used it every other app. And I want an 80-year-old lady to pick it up and, and feel the same way. And 
I do that all the time. I'll, I'll give I'll give my phone to like someone's grandma and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And give them no context. I love it. And that. they can figure it out. That's cool. Yeah. So one of the things before we started this podcast, which is so important for us to talk about, we haven't talked about NFTs. We haven't talked about the evolution of, of, of web, web 1.0, web 2.0, web 3.0. You gave me a quick masterclass before we started, but I, I want the our listeners who, you know, we believe a rising tide lifts all ships. So information is knowledge. And what can you share about what you've learned recently about this evolution of the internet? And then in context, what are you going to do with, with your app? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm no expert. I'm just nobody's I, an expert. I just, well, I, that, I, well the, the beautiful thing is that nobody's an expert. Anyone that tells well, you these days, a, everyone's an expert. That's the problem. Everybody's an expert on Instagram. I'm a podcasting expert. I'm a media expert. They're all full of shit. Like we're all trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. Well, I was telling you earlier, I took the red pill and I went to NYC NFT week and I talked to a lot of people. I went to a party and we're in the hoodie right now. Rare, Rare pizzas. pizzas. Um, that one grabbed my attention. So um, Rare Pizzas was just a party. It's not a brand. It's so not an existing no, restaurant. No, it's 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 a it's a brand. Okay, um, it's, a it's a brand. A project. They it's call a project, it. but the not NFT they're space. not they don't own a restaurant. They do not own a restaurant. Got it. Um, I saw it on a list of events, and I said I'm going to go check this out because it's in the NFT space and it's in the and food, food space, space. And it, gra- it grabbed my attention because we've been thinking a lot about what that means with Ate It, and what when I go to this party, I see a community of people rallied in a room that they rented at a restaurant with all the best pizzas in New York City on a table. Yes. And they were enjoying pizza together. And I talked to them and I said, what is this all about? Like, can you explain to me? And they said, mid pandemic, we're in a room talking on Clubhouse about pizza and NFTs. And you had all these like-minded people that love pizza and love NFTs. And they created a group, a project called Rare Pizzas where they created a series of uh, pizza box NFTs and if you buy one of those pizza boxes digitally, you um, enter, you, it's, a, it's like your member's card. And if you own that digital NFT, you're now part of that community and you can converse with people about pizza, you can pitch ideas, and the money that, you, that is um, collected from buying that NFT goes into a, like a collective pot, like a treasury. And this whole idea of a community of people that are rallied around a common interest is really what a DAO is, D-A-O, which means Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Okay. And when you look at the history of digital um, companies and brands and communities, you have Web1, which was what Google was. Google had information and then spit it out to you. That was the, the relationship. Then we evolved to Web2, which is Airbnb and Uber, where they've created a platform for two people to connect, a host and a traveler a rider and a driver. So that was web two and now we're moving into web three where it's more about the community, it's about the collective, it's about people coming together over a shared interest. And we've always thought about Aided as a community, but I think um, the community exists, but there's no platform for them to talk. The app right now is an amazing utility. Yes. It's so simplified, it's almost too simplified. And it's like, I'm hungry, I want food, I get to it. But if you use Ate It, and Kyle and Sarah uses Ate It, but you didn't Shout out to other, Kyle and Sarah. Shout out to Kyle. How do you, how do you talk to each other? How, yeah. do you, how do you share ideas with each other? How do you collaborate with each other? How do you sit, how does, how does Kyle hit you up if he didn't have your phone number? Yes. And say like, I'm in San Diego, who wants to eat? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's nothing like that right now. And we're, we're working on something interesting. I can't give too many details, but we're going to be evolving Aidit from a Web 1 company to a Web 3 company. So explain Discord, because that's something that I obviously know about Discord, but I don't know enough a lot about it. Why, why is Discord important? Discord's a... Is this video and audio? Uh, there's audio integrated into Discord, but really what Discord is, is a platform for the people to connect that are part of that community. So is it connecting like Slack, like a Slack channel? It's like a Slack channel. Um, there's just more product features and integration. Is it live? It's or live, is, baby. So it's live, it's, it's, it's always live content. On. It's live always content, on. Always people on. are talking, there's different channels, just like Slack. Texting? Yeah, like you're on, you're on a computer. You're texting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have a mobile app as well, but you're, you're talking with like-minded people over the same passion. So yeah. for instance, there could be a, a conversation about called debate it, and it's where people are deciding if pineapple on pizza is good or not. And they're just, mm -hmm. that's the conversation that's happening in there. And anyone can spark any conversation. Or maybe there's a channel called Food Memes, and whoever posts the funniest food memes wins a prize. And there's, there's even giveaways integrated into it. I think the important thing with the discords are, there needs to be a utility. There needs to be a reason why people are in there. Yeah. Um, and if you, I su highly suggest you download it and join some discords and just watch. That's what I've been doing. It's just like watching, understanding, participating as much as I can, um, because I think there's 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 a really really big upside for the food industry when it comes to NFTs. It's just like, you know, the food industry is always the last one to move. Sure. So. So what do you what do you see for NFTs and the food space? I mean, we know obviously we follow what Gary Vaynerchuk is doing. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see happening? Well, one of, one of the things that we see being integrated in the app very soon is the ability to collect an NFT based on the dish you ate. And a lot of the, the best NFTs are correlated with scarcity. So I've been saying this for a really long time. Most recently, Thrillist wrote an article that like completely confirmed everything, but food is the new drop culture. And the newest learning for us is that there's coming out of COVID, you've got pop-ups out the wazoo. Yep. You've got collaborations and even restaurants doing drops and even using that language drop is all over the food space now. So explain drop. And I know, so Ian Stonebrook, who writes all of our articles for this, he, okay. he is literally in the drop space. Like okay. he literally writes for the biggest magazines about okay. the sneaker culture. Explain it. You got people previously in line for a Supreme t-shirt, right? Yep. Now they're in line for sandwiches. Yep. And a drop is a limited quantity thing. So they only make a hundred of the t-shirts. They only make 200 of the sandwiches and you got to be in the know to get that sandwich. And when you have it, it's like a flex. But the difference is with fashion, you can wear the t-shirt. Yes. You can go out and be like, yo, I got the shit. <laughs> like, but with a sandwich, it's in your freaking stomach. Yeah. And there's no way to flex it. Correct. So what we're building with Aidit is the ability to imagine if we did a limited edition barbecue sandwich at Cali yep. Barbecue, and there was only 300 of them available, but we created a limited edition NFT of the sandwich that lived on your Aidit account. Mm -hmm. So when you are talking to people about you being yeah. into food, well, that's storytelling. You can show, you I mean, can that's show literally that's that. digital storytelling and in real life storytelling. Yep. It's literally digital hospitality on a different level because that's part of the story. You know, exactly. part of the story was I was there. That's why people keep ticket stubs of an mm -hmm. event. Like I went to, you know, Michael Jordan's first game or I went totally. to, you know, this was the this was the the game 6 of the finals. It's about Michael clout. Jordan, yeah, it's all yeah. about clout. Yeah. And uh, I think 
I think it's a no brainer um, that we'll, we'll end up there in the NFT space of like limited edition food items that are now translated into a digital badge that allows you to kind of flex and, and have that clout. And we're working on um, even gamifying that experience. So you have right now the app helps you find the best food, but what if there was a barbecued boss badge that you could earn? And kind if, of you, the eat, same and way if you eat these 20 recommended barbecue dishes, you now earn that NFT and that sits in your wallet and your wallet is almost what like was your, the, What was the mirror of the town? What was that old app? Foursquare. There but you it go, was Foursquare. About, but it was about the place and yes. we're about the food. Got it, got it. That's super interesting. So where 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 are you guys focused for 2022? What's the, I mean, I know this is a focus, but what, you know, as far as traction goes? Yeah, the focus for us is winning New York. Um, and we're very well on our way. We've What's wrong with San Diego? Well, you know, we're we're literally three people. <laughs> so we're, we're- New York's pretty big. We're I was raising, there. We're raising money uh, yeah. right now to build the team and scale the product. Uh, but right now with the small scrappy crew- It's a crew, free app. It's free right now. So and how do you monetize it? Um, monetization is has been the hot topic right now, and we're we're very very focused on figuring out how we monetize the foodie. Yeah. Um, the food lover out there is going dropping 200, 300 bucks every time they go out to eat to a fancy restaurant. We see the the potential for monetization being around a subscription model for foodies. Subscription model. Explain that. So, think of it as a membership. Yep. You pay two bucks a month to get insider information on the drops, on the collabs, on the pop-ups. We did a recent survey with a bunch of our users, 98% of them said they're interested in a service that alerts you about those things. Because back to our earlier conversation, people are inundated with content and they just want, they want it to be curated for them. Yeah. And we think that if people are willing to pay a, you know, a nominal price per month to feel like they just know what the hell is going on and, and mm -hmm. that people are willing to pay for that. So that's just one way we'll monetize is from the food lover. And then from there, we think there's a big upside on the brand sponsorship side. Um, as we build the community, there's a lot of food brands out there that I, I really like after thinking about it a lot and I work in the sponsorship space, there's no scalable place for brands that are looking to reach food lovers um, to invest in. So you have, you have digital, let's take that first. You could sponsor an infatuation or eater and you're part of maybe a content series or um, your logos on an email blast. You have experiential where you could build an activation at Bottle Rock or um, you know Aspen Food and Wine Fest where you're, you're creating this entire experience, which is really cool. Like Estella Artois builds this cool bar and David Chang's cooking and yep. it happens for a weekend and then it's over. And it's done, yep. But there's no place for a brand to reach someone that loves food on an everyday basis and not do it in an ad-based way. Correct. I think what we're seeing, and after talking to a lot of restaurateurs, Ad, the advertising model is dying and it's also creating um, a little bit of corruption. Yep. Uh, because you're, when you're based on an impressions-based model, you're constantly pressured to create impressions, yep. to sell those impressions. Correct. And then it's like, oh shit, we have to write about another food thing. But that's maybe the, there's nothing the to write about. So then the you start media. writing about Correct. things that maybe you don't think are that great, but you, you have you to write You mean a top 10 it. list, doesn't? So, <laughs> That's where we're. That's where we're at, and and thinking about monetization. I think Aidit could be a, a scalable platform for brands to create experiences. So imagine if 
Stella Artois created an experience in the app that said, collect these 20 dishes that go well with a Stella recommended by Chef XYZ. Mm -hmm. And now there's credibility, there's experience, and it can happen anytime you want it to happen. It's not an ad that gets thrown in your face. That's interesting. So you said that your guys, as, as you developed it, you're gonna skip Web 2.0. You don't see a monetization possibility. I think we're for... gonna do a little leapfrog action. Really? Why yeah. is that? Because it just makes sense. I think I think food is is a food is inherently part of our community, and we always talk about Ate It being a community. And like I said before, right now it's purely a utility. Some of our fans connect over Instagram, but it's not it's not a, a, a cohesive place for those conversations to happen. And I think. Um, this NFT project that we're working on will help us get there. And I think there's a lot of cool investors out there that are looking for forward thinking companies. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to reveal something that we probably shouldn't do on camera, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right, let's because do I it. think it's a good idea. Okay. So one of the best things that foodies do is that they're visual. Mm -hmm. So foodies, no one's better with a smartphone than an Instagrammer and a TikToker. For when sure. they come into the restaurant, they know how to create content to promote their own channel, but also to promote the restaurant. Yep. There's no place, there's no ecosystem where a restaurateur can connect with content creators, the creative economy, who are foodies, mm -hmm. that understand lighting, that understand how to take a great photo, that can get paid for by the restaurant. You can connect the restaurant owner plus 100%, 100%. I think um, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. There's some influencers that really just do it for the money and yep. that's not really our bag um, where we've created a network of people starting in new york we call them hidden gem hunters that we've onboarded into our family and these are the people that really do it for the passion they're doing it because they love food they're doing it because they want to help the restaurant and those are like the, the pure intention people sure. there are people out there that you know go to the restaurants as a as a revenue source and they're like yeah tell me what you want me to take pictures of and i'll do it and they kind of sacrifice their voice and their POV for just the money. Well, I'm talking about the asset. Yeah. I'm talking about their skill set mm -hmm. is something of value totally. to the restaurant. Totally. To restaurants that aren't digital, to restaurants mm -hmm. that need better photos, to restaurants that need more content. Like literally it's- There's connected. nothing that like- No, there's not Like an influencer network? No, there's really? no influencer network. No, nothing, that, nothing that's, that's set up. Nothing that's set up to get a diversity of storytelling. Yeah. So a diversity of photos, videos, audio. Mm -hmm. And if you can get that, then I'll pay for it as a restaurant owner. Victor will pay for it. We will all pay for it. It's, it's happening. Yeah. It's just not happening in a structured yeah. way. And that's an interesting thing, because like when we started, we were very like, we do not want to make money from restaurants. We have paper thin margins. Yep. Like that's not where we wanted to start. And um, I still, I still believe that. It's still, it's just a broker of record. Yeah. You're just literally getting, helping yeah. us find the TikTokers, helping yeah. us find the Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's happening naturally. Do you pay them right now? No. Okay. Right now we don't. But we, but I mean, I'll pay for great content all the mm -hmm. time. That's interesting. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a model there, and like, I think as we build this community, if a restaurant did need help and they did fall into every the restaurant needs help, every restaurant, <laughs> every needs help. restaurant, every needs business help. needs help. We all need more storytelling. Yeah. Like literally, there's no business that's in a place. I don't care how robust your digital team is. Mm -hmm. That goes, no, we don't need a YouTuber to come in. Yeah, 
that's a different perspective. That's a different skill set. Yeah. Like if somebody's going to come in that has an incredible ability to create a YouTube channel, why would you turn that down? It's true. It's like telling CBS, no, I don't want you to come in. Like CBS is legacy TV. Yeah. There's people that are watching CBS, yeah. not as many as they used to. Mm -hmm. But I'm still not going to tell CBS no. It's I'm going to tell the radio station no, because there are people that still listen to sports radio. Yeah. That's very true. I think um, you know, as we build this community, it could be a, a definitely a source for restaurants to hit up and be like, yeah. "Hey, we need help." Restaurants, hotels. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. So, um, what else? I would love for you to give some quick tips. To we have a lot of people that listen that want to do better with their phone, taking photos, taking videos. You have a fire account. You know how to. <laughs> and the funny, the funny thing is, you're laughing, and I know why you're laughing. You're laughing because you just do it. You don't think that you're doing great work, but so much of what storytelling on a smartphone is, is willing to try, Yeah, putting in the reps. It's, um, I'll tell you a story. So at the beginning of last year, a bunch of people had told me like, you, you gotta try TikTok. It's not, <laughs> it's not just a dance app. You're not a <laughs> it's not just a dance app. You gotta like just dive in yes. and, and see how you can use it. So I started doing it and I started realizing you know, there's all different types of content. There's learning content, there's funny content, like Kyle obviously is yes. just like crushing it. But I made- At a, the restaurant I, consultant on TikTok, I, all of them. I made a goal for myself at the beginning of the year. I said, I'm gonna make a TikTok a day. Beautiful. And see what happens. And I got pretty good at it and it was mid pandemic and I was here out here in San Diego with my, uh, my girlfriend's parents and I was just like coming up with ideas and content that I, I could do to just educate people on what the app is. By March 16th, we went viral. I woke up in the morning and I had like 250,000. And then by later that day, it had hit, I think 800,000. And it was like the most simple video. Like, <laughs> like I spent my entire career working in the creative industry, shooting epic <laughs> commercials for people. And I literally, it was like, I remember when I created the one video, I was, it was 9 p.m that night before it went viral and I was like, shit, I forgot to post one today. And I was, I quickly went through my drafts yeah. because of what I, what I do, my creative process is like, just bang out as many ideas as I can and like on my creative day and then edit on the fly. So I don't have to like create something new every day. Yeah. And I found this one old video of like my girlfriend on the phone using it. And I, I just grabbed that and I threw a VO over it that explained what the app was. And I threw a song on and hit post. I was just like, it was like the one day I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. And I woke up the next morning, it was like slot machine. And we got 15,000 downloads. 15,000 downloads? In three days. 15,000 yeah. downloads. But here's the issue. We're only in New York. And all these 15,000 people are, are all, all over, over the world. Yep. But it was a confirmation that we were doing something correct. Correct. And all the comments were, you know, from Dallas, Chicago, Miami, London, Tokyo. We need this app. We need this app. We need this app. So I'm like, okay. We're doing something right, the people want it. Like, that is a proof point. So that's part of the story that we've been telling to investors, et cetera. But um, since then, we've gone viral again, and I, I had to go dark on TikTok for now. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back um, on TikTok. But yeah, it's uh, creating content is super important in, in terms of storytelling, and I think a lot of people overthink it. And it's really just about capturing as much as you can and, and trying to simplify that process depending on what you're marketing. So for Aidit, you know, one of the things that I've focused on is like, we go out to eat all the time 
anyways. Like before I yeah. even started this, like me and my girlfriend and my friends, we go out to eat all yeah. the time. It's like what we do for entertainment. Yeah. So, you know, capturing easy content that can educate what the app is. So one of my favorites is the series, you've probably seen it, it's called I'm Hangry. Yep. And it, it what it does is it, it educates people on the hangry button in the app. And the hangry button, what the hangry button does is it pulls every top recommended dish near you. So forget about wanting tacos. It's like, I'm hangry, what's near me? Yes. And the idea was like, I'm just gonna go to this corner of the street by where we're eating. Hey, what's up? I'm on the corner of 23rd and 7th and I'm hangry. Yep. And then you show them how the hangry button works and you zoom into the dish on the phone and then you zoom out of the dish. And it, yep. all, it, all it requires me to do is like 30 seconds in the street doing this, 10 seconds of me recording another phone, yep. and then like three seconds of me pulling out yep. and it's over. And that's it. And the editing takes five minutes, yep. 10 minutes. And I just bang those out every time we go out to eat. And now you're posting those on Instagram. Yeah, we post them as reels on, Instagram. Reels on I, Instagram. I feel like yeah. it's a little bit, Instagram is a little bit more targeted. I feel like a lot of the content is still just like reaching a more yep. New York audience. Yep. Um, but yeah, all those are in the clip uh, ready to go. So it's really about thinking about your brand, what your brand stands for, what you're trying to communicate, and how do you simplify that in a way that's easily executable that you can repeat over and over. Because it's about frequency at the end of the day you can create the most beautiful content. <laughs> I, like I had this idea and we'll, we'll do it in the future when we grow and we have a yeah. bigger audience, but it's, uh, it's called Ate It Worthy. And it's like, imagine uh, sh like chef's, chef's table meets planet Earth, but oh, about yeah. a dish. So if it was about these nachos, we would dive into that one dish, but do it in a beautifully cinematic way mm -hmm. with VO of the chef breaking down every element of what makes that dish amazing. I love that. Planet, planet Earth, the nachos. Yeah. That would be rad. And it's just like beautiful. <laughs> and we did one. It's it's on our Instagram and our YouTube. Um, we did it with Chef Nakamura in New York. He does a steak mazamen that's like, will knock your socks off. And we spent about, we spent a whole day interviewing him, shooting in the kitchen. We spent about like two weeks editing it to perfection and then we posted it and it got like 300 views <laughs> and I'm like sick sweet <laughs> glad we spent all that creative energy sweet. doing that and you know we'll, we'll we'll get there where people were will appreciate that stuff later yeah. on but like I just think like being more scrappy and, yep. and, and doing it yourself is is the move because it's just that the end the end worth is is gonna be way way more than what it is and you just like try to perfect things yeah yeah i mean what we believe is through the quantity of content you'll get to the quality the problem is everyone wants quality right off the bat they want to have the perfect instagram yep. feed the perfect TikTok channel the perfect youtube video and it's like that's just not going to happen what's going to happen is you're going to learn the skill set of putting making yourself uncomfortable and learning how to tell the story on all these different mediums. Video, audio, written word, and images. The more that you can do that on the more platforms, the bigger impact that you're gonna make. What else, uh, anything you wanna say to, to wrap up the show? What does digital hospitality mean to you? I mean, digital hospitality is, if hospitality is a core of, of the restaurant industry. I grew up in the restaurant industry. My family had a Italian restaurant. I was the 10 year old boy that met you at the front, sat you at the table, brought you bread and water, all that good stuff. And I, I, I worked on all different facets of the restaurant. And one of my favorites was working behind the bar because 
that was where the real hospitality happened. It was where you're having a direct connection with a customer sitting at the bar. And that's where I learned little tricks. Like when I'd see, you know, Joey pull in to the, the parking lot and I know he drinks a Stella with a little bit of salt inside. That's that's what he, he did. I'd have it ready for him when he walked in. Yep. And that's that's what the core of hospitality is. And now that we've moved into the digital era, I think it's important for businesses and brands to think about hospitality and how you do that in, in a digital way. Whether that's you know responding to people, community management, creating content to tell your story. Because now the story isn't just told person to person, it's told on the web. So uh, digital hospitality to me is just like the same, it's going back to the core of what hospi- real life hospitality is, but doing it in smart ways on your phone. Love it. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, we're gonna put all the links and what we talked about today in the show notes. Um, please follow Steve, uh, follow the Aided app. They're doing everything that you need to do to tell your story. Um, Appreciate that. Be sure to join us on Clubhouse every single Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, we 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have a Clubhouse call, so anybody that listens to this podcast, please come to that. Steve's going to be on there, so you can ask him some questions on an upcoming show. You can always reach out to me at Sean P. Walchef on all the platforms, and uh, we're grateful that you guys listen every single week. Uh, coming up, starting next year, we're going to be launching Restaurant Influencers, which is our second podcast with Entrepreneur Magazine as well as Yelp. Super excited about that. Um, we've got cool. People that are getting involved, Seven Shifts, we just launched a Cali barbecue. We're making some content with Rising Tides Creative. So welcome Seven Shifts, Um, welcome to the entire community. We had Jordan Bosch, go get after those nachos. Jordan Bosch was on um, Digital Hospitality earlier this year and part of content and storytelling. He sold me Seven Shifts and now we're live on Seven Shifts. Victor Lopez, El Pollo Grill. Dude, this place is the best. What is it the best? We need more customers. Right? We need more customers. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast and if, you, uh, if you're in San Diego and you're hangry, come to El Pollo Grill and uh, check out Victor's episode. Steve, thanks for coming from New York, man. Thanks for coming. Let's do this. Big Steve, bites only. Ready? Big bites only. Cheers. Well, cheers.